This episode of Bourbon with Friends is brought to you by Kentucky Eagle, Inc. Kentucky Eagle is a growing company in need of talented people with a passion for wine and spirits. They're looking for sales positions and operational roles. They are a family-owned company and offers above industry average compensation, up to 7.5 401k match, health, life, dental, vision, insurance, car allowance, cell allowance. Positions are available in markets around Kentucky. Please visit www.kyeagle.net slash careers to apply. It's time for Bourbon with Friends, the bourbon podcast that never takes itself too seriously. Pull up a chair, grab a glass, and remember, a bourbon with friends can change the world. Here we go. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bourbon with Friends. I am Shanda here along with Paul and Connor. Happy Monday, boys. How's it going? Howdy. Oh, there we go. Yep, delayed. <laughs> well, um, we actually have a really good show here uh, today. I am super personally excited to have this one um, here with us today um, in, in lieu of really good lighting too, because we have, um, we just had Veterans Day a few days ago. Yay. So we, yes, we have Mr. Uh, Scott Neal with us here of Horse Soldier Bourbon, president and former um, Army Green Beret of ODA 595, which I'm sure he will go into his little backstory there and um, awesome. tell us all about Horse Soldier and everything. But we uh, we kind of started the show a little bit and uh, started bantering beforehand and uh, we may we might want to get right into it, but we'll we'll see what we want to do. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Scott. Thanks for jumping in and joining us. Thank you for your service to the country. Uh, I know that you guys have a pretty uh, pretty uh, cool story about you know how Horse Soldier Bourbon came to be. And mm-hmm. but before before we kind of jump into the you know to that kind of if you can kind of give the backstory of how you know all you guys originally came together because mm-hmm. there's not only you know, history from 9-11 on the bottle. There's history of the brand. Uh, and I think there's even maybe a movie out there that you guys might have been depicted about. <laughs> there's actually a couple, believe it or not, but there's one major Hollywood movie, uh, 12 Strong. You know, first disclaimer, we really didn't participate in the making of the movie. Uh, Green Berets are known as the quiet professionals. So imagine a lot of these books out there and everything and movies being made about you and you didn't even participate, but that's okay. Um, you know, sometimes you, you let others tell your story. That's how you become legendary, right? Is when somebody yeah. else is there kind of talking about you instead of you talking about yourself a lot. But yeah, you know, our really, I think nine 11 is that big bang moment for the country. If you think about this generation's uh, it was our Pearl Harbor where we were just happy and going along as a country and arguing. We had a contested election. If you're old enough to remember Al Gore and President Bush, you know, all the same things we're experiencing the today. The hanging and Chad. The hanging Chad. <laughs> you know, you had political And that's know, way yes. that's way better than the dumb shit we deal with in elections today. You know, technology goes forward and somehow we still don't know how to vote. It's crazy. Well, I think we know how to vote. I just don't or know how, how we count. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, uh, but you know, that's, you know, that's why I drink bourbon. How about that? <laughs> but you know, nine 11 happened. We were all caught off guard and surprised. I think, you know, you get to hindsight everything and, uh, you get to say, well, we saw signs, we saw signals, but you know what I mean? It's like looking, waiting to see an asteroid in the stars kind of thing. Right. So the voice wasn't loud enough to said, here it comes. But on nine 11, I was in the fifth special forces group at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. I was a green beret. It's a funny hat. that's green and it's a beret, but uh, we're also known as the army special forces. So obviously you have the Navy seals, the army Rangers, army Delta force, Navy SEALs, Team Six. You have all these kind of uh, out there organizations. But when 9-11 happened, we were getting ready to go into the uh, Middle East on 1 October on just a normal mission, right? Just be there just in case. And so 
we were all ready to go. As a matter of fact, Mark and Bob had just got back from Uzbekistan. So we're always in, uh, you know, a region, a distant, you know, there's green berets in over 55 countries at any one time. So really it, the story starts on the day after 9-11. So when I talk to people, I say, did you feel angry on 9-11? Were you, did you have anxiety? Did your family, you know, was scared? All of these emotions on the day of 9-11, but then I talk about the day after and the patriotism and the pride and the sense of togetherness, you know, USA and the world really joined us. And that's kind of where our story begins because we were America's response. On 19 October 2001, two special forces teams and our CIA partners were inserted behind the lines. The mission was a one-way. They didn't know who we were going to link up with, per se. They didn't know, really, who the Taliban was and how al-Qaeda was influencing them. They didn't know anything. So imagine getting this mission to take a helicopter. Oh, by the way, we don't know if the helicopter can even make it up over the mountains. Uh, When you get on the ground, you're going to link up with somebody. And hopefully that somebody doesn't turn you in for ransom. And then we want you to evaluate those somebodies and see if you can build them into a fighting force like the Green Berets and CIA did with the Mujahideen against the Russians. Go. And that was it. (laughs) That began the adventure. Sounds like uh, a lot of I don't know what I'm getting into. (laughs) Uh, we knew it now imagine being a young green beret special forces was that not the most perfectest mission that you would ever think you could be the rambo of the world and go save you know what i mean america and say of course we we loved it um but then again you can't tell anybody and number two once again there's no plan to get you out there was just a kind of a plan to get you in right so you had to find I mean, your own way out. Well, there wasn't a way out. There's, you know what I mean? There is, you're in and you fight till you go down, right? Because the other plan was to send the big army and big Marine Corps in the springtime in to fight it out through Pakistan into Afghanistan. So there was no cavalry. There was no, you know, go right. in and walk no out. Help. It was just go in, get surrounded on purpose, basically. So, uh, you know, we immediately linked up and do what Green Berets do, and that is we specialize in guerrilla warfare. And that's how do you organize a resistance? How do you evaluate them? Then now you got to arm them, train them, equip them. Then you got to pick some easy targets so it builds their confidence, just like your kids. You know what I mean? You, you kind of want to give them something easy to win to boost their confidence, and then like you kind of multiply like, it. Like they're picking mom. on their mom. Like picking on their mom. Yeah, you know, you don't take both both wheels off the tricycle. You know, yeah. you don't you know but we started with about uh twenty riders the first day, and by the first week we had three hundred and fifty horse cavalry, and by the third week we had thirty five hundred horse cavalry and a thousand infantry that we were taking on fifty thousand Taliban fighters. So those size and numbers is um things that movies are written about but even a movie couldn't visually depict 3,000 horses charging down a mountain against 20 or 30 tanks at a time you you know what I mean I mean Hollywood they didn't have a budget to replicate that size so you just see Chris Hemsworth and you know a couple Afghans and you don't really understand the size of some of these charges right and it wasn't just on horses. It was a combination of, you know, Mad Max vehicles, anything you could find. I mean, it really, it evolved from just a couple teams of special forces to less than 90 Green Berets in 90 days over through the whole country. And most of us were 30 years old. How about that? Wow. How about that, Gen Z? Yeah. Well, I well, definitely not, like hearing that story firsthand. <laughs> let's not talk about Gen Z. Gen Z. We'll, see. <laughs> we'll just skip over that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe they I mean, need to drink more. That's less uh, vodka. They don't need a they, they don't need a they don't need to drink more. They just need a swift kick in the ass. Well, you know, somebody, you know, that's all fun conversations, but 
you have to believe that let's all know that something will happen to this country again. I mean, it's always in a cycle. If you look at the yeah. distance between Pearl Harbor to uh, 9-11, it's the same distance between the Alamo, you know what I mean? And uh, Pearl Harbor, right? So we're always 40 years. Someone determines that they're just going to attack this country and it never goes well. No. Never. Yeah. No. no. One great thing that that America's always had is we've always had some some brave men and women that no matter what the media says and no matter where the political political climate is are always willing to pick up pick something up and choose violence in the pursuit of peace and it's well, the amazing uh, thing about what America is America you know breaks the rust off our bayonets by beating up little people at times I was in Panama Right. So if you're old enough to remember that mm. little flex on small country, put your thumb down and uh, like, oh, that was good. Right. Then we had the first Gulf War. Hey, let's. Uh, oh, hey, you know, let's get a few friends together and a couple tanks. Red Rover, Red Rover. And that was, you know, less than 90 hours. <laughs> so America does like to practice a bit. Right. We have Bosnia. If you look at Ukraine, right, there's some actions going on. You know, do you think it was just Ukrainians uh, taking on the Russians? Or, you know, do we maybe send some small teams of Green Berets behind the lines and raise a resistance? Who knows? Maybe there'll be a movie about that one day. Who knows? <laughs> it's what, it's so interesting. It. Go ahead, Connor. It is. What made you want to join the military in the first place? And what led you to the Green Berets? I, since I was a little kid, played cowboys and Indians, cops and robbers, army men, right? With magnifying glasses, with M80s. I was destined to serve. <laughs> uh, I grew up in Central Florida. My family's been here since the early 1800s. You know, so I have had uh, always a family member serving uh, sort of like the uh, Forrest Gump, Lieutenant Dan, except, you know, my family didn't all get killed every time. Um, <laughs> so went right in at 18. I went to the infantry uh, beforehand. That's where I went to Panama. And then I joined Special Forces in 91. And I probably spent nine months out of the year throughout the Middle East and North Africa doing anything from taking doctors and vets to treat small villages and villagers to counterterrorism, to any spectrum of those unique operations. That's why they call them special operations. And they're conducted by special operators, right? So it's kind of like you look behind you on your shelf, you have a weeded category, you have a rye category, you have, right. uh, you know what I mean, a high corn category. Well, that's the special operator comes from a service, the Navy, the Army, the Air Force, you put them together and the commander says, this is the mission. That's the type of operator. It's almost like a video game you play now. Click, click, click. Oh, profile, profile, click, click, click. And then you insert them and away they go. So that's all I ever wanted to do. I didn't know anything different until the day I left. Uh, December of 2010, uh, it was the first time my family had known the extent of what I've done. I was kind of, as they call, uncovered. And uh, then the next day, I was nobody. That was it. Right? Interesting you know, how that works. You, you remember uh, Rambo? We've all seen mm -hmm. Rambo First Blood, right? So when yeah. you're a kid and you watch it, you see a big knife and a guy fighting the power and he's in the woods and he's got a big spear spearing, you know, the pig and he's hiding out in the, the cave and he stole a, a radio. So you watch it through those lenses going, yeah, I want to be that guy. Now that you're older, you watch it again. Here's a loner transitioning out of military, trying to see old friends. You know, he, he can't get a job. Now he's getting pushed around by the authorities, but the authorities don't know his background. So they push him too far and he has wicked skills. You know what I mean? At the end, he's crying after, you know, massacring an entire town saying, you know, I could fly helicopters and drive tanks, but I can't, you know, assimilate. So it's a younger Scotty. Uh, fantasies of grandeur and being in the army, serving a country. Now I'm an old Scotty and I'm cautious about policy and politics and what we put our young kids, both men and women into. 
because I've seen what happens uh, when it's done correctly. And I've seen what happens when this is done incorrectly. How about that mojo? No, I mean, it's, it makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, the more politicized things become, the more the military just seems to become a pawn in a game that nobody will, that they didn't sign up for. It's the only one that follows civilian leadership, right? So if the temperament of civilian leadership is X, Y, and Z policies, they always try to jam it down the military. But the military, by far, as an institution and product of the United States, is the most diverse. I mean, you have kids from Brooklyn, street hoods from Crimson, and you got hillbillies from West Virginia. They all get thrown into barracks together from all walks of life. And in 45 days, they go through this transformation to become a working, cohesive unit with patriotism and pride and a job focus. Where is that? It's not in college today. You know what I mean? It's not at Amazon, you know, warehouse. So the military still is a great representation as an all volunteer force of the country. As well as as long as the politicians stay the F out of it. Uh, you know, and, and it, it's, it, it doesn't need to be a place we need to keep warriors ready for war. And yeah. then, uh, Colin Powell had the best doctrine where it was, Hey, you get in war very fast and you get out just as fast. You know, we've seen after the last 20 years when we linger, um, it, it just drains resources, people. We've taken an entire generation of servicemen and women, and we've exhausted them continually mm-hmm. overseas on the frontier. And now that you come home, you're like, uh, what's going on? So, yeah. So now I make whiskey. <laughs> so <Huh>. let's transition. <laughs> no, hold on, hold on. I have, I have one more question. Before sure. transition to whiskey, and this is just a broad question because I'm interested to hear the actual differences, sure. and I'm sure some of the listeners are as well. What you you briefly brought up before the the different um, uh, uh, groups within the army you have the yeah. you have the uh, you have Delta, you have the Army Rangers, Green Berets. Yeah. In layman's terms, can you explain exactly what the difference is between those kind of more specialized groups within the army itself? Um, Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts, Explorers. <laughs> um, the There's Army no Rangers, competition between them either. Well, it is. So the Army Rangers tend to be younger, right? So 18 to 22. They're organized in a 60-person element. They are mostly for lightning raids that last between one hour to 24 hours of a sizable uh, infrastructure, a bridge, uh, uh, a um, building, a compound, an airfield, right? And it's all violence and speed of action and ah, I'm invincible. Delta Force is a surgical tool with that has a tremendous amount of national money and assets not to fail a hostage rescue, right? They were built and designed after some failures early on. If you think about the late 70s when we had airline, Iran-Contra. So they received a lot of funding and training and facilities, and they could find the best of the best so that if there was an incident, again, uh, we would be prepared, and there has been a lot. Green Berets are the mountain men. Right. The Boy Scouts, not the good Boy Scouts, but the naughty Boy Scouts. If you were ever in Boy Scouts, <laughs> you had two sides. You had the I can't wait to get my florist badge and I want to get my woodworking thing. And then there was the naughty Boy Scouts that stole all your stuff out of your campsite while you were doing jamborees and then ate all your cookies <laughs> and then have so much fun as country friends. I think I watched a yeah. uh, movie called Naughty Boy Scouts once. Yes. Well. It, but, but you know, what that meant is a no little, bit, little bit of a small group, a loner, a fight the power. They don't fit in. Mm-hmm. They're highly intelligent. That's probably why they don't, right? Like, hey, this is stupid. Why am I doing X? You idiots do X. But you put them through a selection process and it weeds out the wannabes, right? Some do it for ego. Some do it for social status. 
it'll crush your soul within a week of the selection process. If you did it for the wrong reasons, then your brain will tell you, that's not for me. Screw these guys. They, they think too much of themselves. And by the end of the third week in special forces assessment selection, the difference of what you may see uh, like in seal buds one week where they yell at you and they hose you down and you got to do all this stuff in the surf and come on, you can quit. I want you to quit, blah, blah, blah. Special force selection, nobody talks to you. Nobody says anything. No encouragement, no disencouragement. Here's your task. Run from here to there. Go. So you have to have the mental fortitude to do things and accomplish them with little direction and almost no encouragement. It's just what's asked of you to be done. Because when you fast forward to Afghanistan, when you're freezing, it's cold, nobody's coming to get you, you can't quit off the mountain. There's no tap right. out in combat. Right. Nobody, killer, nobody's going to tell you to keep going. Killed. It, it, it have to be, or get somebody else to kill somebody else. You know, there's a lot of Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer too. Let's forget that uh, the young Rangers love to lead the charge, right? Um, sometimes you encourage a hundred other people to lead the charge. Here you go. Here's a rusty gun. Here's 10 bullets. See those guys over there? What do you think? I don't like them. Do you like them? Okay, let's get together. Charge. Keep going. <laughs> Why not go? Oh, by with like and them, through. <laughs> well, it, it's it's by with and through because how does twelve people solve one problem of that magnitude? You need it by convincing others to fight for themselves, right? Because they have the desire to. They're being oppressed, right? All these factors. It's the same thing in any neighborhood. Is any movie that you've seen. You know, where one person comes in with a personality and says, this is wrong. This is, And they pipe piper them and say, let's go. I'm going to help you out, right? Because the Taliban were using tanks and rocket-propelled grenades. Uh, they were using um, artillery. They had everything as a modern mechanized army had. And they were just crushing villages that had nothing but an AK. And when we showed up, we turn the tides because we also have b-52 strata fortresses with you know thousands of pounds of laser guided munitions yeah because you guys could call in airstrikes exactly that's what they needed from us they didn't need us to stand beside them and pull a trigger you they didn't need to give us. them you didn't need to give them courage they had the courage and they the had the will you fearless just needed to people give, you just had to give them the support to make it seem when you just had to make some things go boom and it probably we made had, them really we, excited we had to be the tipping point, right? So imagine in Rocky movie, he had all the courage. You know, Clever Lane didn't think, you know what I mean? He thought it was a kind yeah. of a show and fun. Rocky trained his ass off. He wanted to win. Now, skill got him until the final round when Hart won, right? That was the message. Yep. And all of a sudden, he hits Clever Lane one time. And it's like, what? And it took him off balance. Well, that's what the Mujahideen did. When we came in, we suddenly tipped the balance and it sent the Taliban and Al Qaeda reeling and they couldn't recover. So if you watched any MMA fight, it's going one way, going one way, then whack. It's like, what? And well, they, they were bullies and they weren't bullies. Yeah, don't like to exactly. get punched. When you yeah, punch a bully, right. they, it, some, it, that mental, that mind fuck that happens to a bully. Sometimes they can't recover from because by the time they've realized what's going on, you've hit them three or four times and it's over. Well, one thing you didn't see in the movie and some other things is we would fly behind the lines at night and we would kill and capture some of the Taliban generals and al-Qaeda leadership. Okay. And so the next morning when the battle happened and their own Taliban leaders didn't show up, their own people thought they were cowards. Right. So there's a lot of tools and tricks in your magical hand. And uh, if we were to try to fight them ourselves it wouldn't have gone the way it did right mm -hmm. so look yeah. at the difference between the first year of afghanistan and 19 years after yeah yeah no that's go. a it's a really awesome uh really awesome story man thank you um my pleasure let's, let's transition a little bit out of uh guns and 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 bombs and 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 into whiskey um uh, <laughs> 
I'm sure there's there's probably whiskey around the guns and the bombs too. So, but like when did when did the, the when did the infatuation for you and and some of your friends that that started this company kind of start with whiskey? Um, and then how did he, how did it kind of build into creating a brand? So, you know, just like anything, there's always some whiskey and scotch, right? There's always a celebration or a sorrow, a pouring. And then as you get older, you become curious, you know, pre Google, it was, what did my dad drink or what did my grandpa drink? And what did I, what could I afford? And then I would say about 2015, Myself, John Coco, and his wife Elizabeth went to Yellowstone. I had, uh, I was uh, working as a director of the of development for the Green Beret Foundation. So I went around and raised a lot of money. And I said, you know what? I got to make money. I can't. I'm going to have nothing if I don't build something. So we went to Yellowstone, and on the way out of the Westgate, we saw a craft distillery that had a sign that said "Free Tours and Tastings." Okay, sounds like a challenge, right? And we stopped in. It was just a fun little experience. And we talked about it and, and looked at the bottles. Elizabeth had um, skincare and perfume industry, right? So she knew about packaging and label and design. Coco had built many businesses and sold them. So he understood the business of the business. And I was like, hey, you know, what's this? What's this grain? Why is this recipe? What time do you show up? You know, I'm an old sergeant major, right? So I want to know details, how to make the donuts. And then we left that first experience going, wow, where's the next one? And we literally took three weeks to get back to Tampa Bay where we lived, hitting as many craft distilleries as we could, sending pictures to all of our buddies. And then finally, uh, I think it's John's mom that said, you drunks need a hobby. <laughs> so we called up Mark. And Bob, and Bob loves scotch. He says, hey, let's go to Scotland because that's the next evolution of being serious about exploring whiskey and history. So we went to Scotland and we went to the, you know, all the most popular places. But then one of our SAS buddies had a scotch distillery called Wolfburn. So we spent time there actually making scotch. You know, turning on the mash ton, you know, getting the boilers up, uh, milling the grains, the whole process, right? And we came home and then we went to Ireland. So think about the journey to learn Kung Fu. I know know, that very well. Because you want to see what a master (laughs) and you want to break them apart and understand why this technique? Why is single malt scotch different than multi-grain Irish whiskeys? Right? Mm-hmm. What's the philosophy of the distiller, the uh, marketing arm, the bottling arm? And we got back from Ireland, and we said, "All right." Uh, we went and seen some uh, CEOs of some publicly traded companies, and started talking about the business side of the business and how cutthroat and piratey. It is, right? And we said, that's us. You know what I mean? And we literally formed a business and we started, uh, we didn't have enough money for our own distillery because, you know, everybody likes to talk about what ingredients are in bourbon. I say there's only one ingredient when you start a bourbon business and that's Money. money. Because it, you know, you don't get into this lightly. And if not, it's a hobby. Um, and so we found a partnership and we would fly up there on uh, spirit airlines, forty nine ninety five because we didn't have any money. And we would stay in Airbnb and we'd make 10 barrels at the end of somebody's production run and 20 barrels and then 50 barrels. And then we got word that this movie was coming out. So everybody's like, hey. Hey, are you involved in the movie? We're like, no. Like, well, you guys are making whiskey. We're like, yeah, yeah. Um, why don't you put some in a bottle? And we took it to the red carpet premiere. Literally, that paper label you have back there was just us licking it and sticking it on a bottle. <laughs> and yeah, uh, that one will never be opened. <laughs> it's, and yeah. it's uh, when we did it. 
you know, I was just at a ABC wine and spirits, the family that owns that here in Florida, they have a fundraiser. We went to that fundraiser and said, yeah, we're making some whiskey. They gave us our first order, 50 cases. And that's how it began January of 2018. Today, we're in 18 states. This year, we'll provide over 100,000 cases. We're building a uh, 5 million proof gallon facility in Somerset, Kentucky. Uh, we've grown this brand. We've kept control. We've partnered smartly. All of these things we learned on our journey to learn whiskey kung fu, we listened. And we set our battle plan. And I could show you the original business plan. And we're just executing something we talked to as a group of friends who served together, who started a business with little money. Uh, in 2017, and we're just executing the plan. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah. I met you guys for the first time in October, uh, I'm sorry, December of 19. So it wasn't... Holy bananas, yeah. It wasn't that long after. We must have just gotten back from uh, uh, Normandy when we jumped into the 75th anniversary of D-Day. Yep. So, Yep. That's a world away. That's I've been a, uh, I've, been a I've been a fan ever since. Hardcore. Thank so you. It's, I like it's I like amazing. It, I like to call it <laughs> BC and AC before COVID and after COVID. Right. Right. So before COVID, uh, you know, we're steadily growing. When COVID hit, we had to adapt quickly. So imagine spending all the money going to Las Vegas and getting into casinos, going out to California and getting into California. And then one day, everybody shut that off. Mm -hmm. And all that money's gone. All that development money, marketing money, everything eviscerated. And we had to adapt to the virtual space. So we started, just like you, holding some, let's make some bourbon classes online. And then that's when, uh, what's the app you can pay people, you know, Venmo. Mm hmm and, you know, we would start getting bartenders who were out of work around town to come in and just start making some drinks that people could vend them on. And we survived for a year, you know what I mean? Telling our story to anybody that would listen. And there's some other brands they didn't. They couldn't adapt, right? They didn't have a plan. And Watched now a lot of those Instagrams during, during COVID. <laughs> yes. And now yeah. it's ap- after COVID and things are opening up. So now we've got to regain New York City, we've got to regain, you know, some of these these towns um, because all the food and beverage managers got laid off. I mean, we got to reinvent this brand with a whole new group of people on one side, but yet we still got some pretty loyal fans and customers on the other. That's the bourbon business. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I want to drink. Uh, I've been staring at this for, uh, uh, for, you know, 40 minutes now and, uh, I'm going to try it. So, uh, Scott, talk to us a little bit. This is the forged and fire barrel strength bourbon whiskey. Uh, this is 121.4 proof, 60.7 ABV. Um, and then we'll talk about the label, uh, after we try the whiskey, how about that? Because yes. I think that's the, the the label is super important. Well, um, there's a few things. Awesome. The label is important. The bottle is important. Like there's a lot. <laughs> so we let's talk, talk a lot of importance. Juice. Let's talk about the juice in the middle, and then we'll put icing on the cake at the end. Because if it sucks, right? Now imagine that's the thing about starting to make bourbon is you don't know if you chose the right recipe. If everything you learned about this and you put it into practice until the day you open it up. And this uh, barrel strength, weeded bourbon, I call it Papa Bear. It doesn't mm. suck. Papa Bear, Papa, me likey, a little snuggle with Papa Bear. Papa Bear. Gross. Um, it has <laughs> all the noses and all the fruits and all the things you would love of a high proof weeded. In my opinion, tell me some high proof weeded bourbons that you know and like. I don't know very many high proof weeded bourbons. Yeah. There, there's not many. A lot of bourbons are 90 proof, uh, 95 maybe. The, um, now, uh, Old Elk just put out a the double weeded Old Elk is 104, right, Connor? Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, but that's not that's not barrel strength though. 
Yeah, it's um, not. But that and what I'm saying is from a weeded, that's the highest I've seen a weeded, is what I'm saying. I think like old elk has a weeded that's ninety-four you. and one oh four. What's your well that I've had? That this I've is had. uh larceny barrel proof for one hundred twenty-three point eight. Um yeah, I know for what you had, but um larceny barrel proof is 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 uh my favorite weeded yeah. high high proof bourbon. Um, now, what's that Weller 12 behind you? Is that a full proof? 90. Or 90? No, it's a Weller, it's a Weller 12. So it's 90. Yeah. But even um, full proof is only at like 106. Yep. Uh, well, but, is Taylor, Taylor's a weeded, right? No, Taylor's not weeded. No, either. no, it's Bond. That's right. You're right. It's bottled in Bond. No, this doesn't drink like 121 at all. Does this say sophisticated gentleman, right? I call this little victory. This is something you and your friend after, you know, uh, at the end of the evening, you want to pay it its respects. You don't shoot it. You don't mix it. Mm -mm. Uh, I have never added anything to it. Right. Some people, because, um, you know, they like to put a cube right away in there. And I'm like, I just never have. I don't think it deserves it. It's its own standalone one hour pour drink. This isn't going to last an hour. Well, the bottle will last more than an hour, but this, what I poured will <laughs> is going to last like five more seconds. This. So the real interesting thing about this that I like a lot, mm-hmm. 121 proof. There's like no burn on this to me. You get that Kentucky hug, but it's I already delayed. sipped it. Yeah. hundred percent. I've been I'm like three <laughs> sips in bro. Where have you been? We got to get I, into the nose first. Cause the nose is phenomenal. It's phenomenal, but, but like try it and tell, like it's a delayed Kentucky hug. Like usually you get that burn in the back of your throat. Yeah. It's down in the, it's in your chest, right? You don't, it doesn't give you a, a hug until after, which is very unique to me. What, what's the name? Oh my God. This is going to really bother me. What's the name of that shortbread cookie that I, that, uh, no, 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 not ginger shortbread. Um, that I, Sandy's. Do you remember the cookies Sandy's? They were like yeah. shortbread pecan cookies, kind of. This mm-hmm. is a, that is they like crumble in your mouth from this. A, a shortbread, I, I think it was like a shortbread cookie with, with pecans in it or something. For those listening who's ever had a Sandy before, that's the nose on this horse soldier barrel strength. And that is really, um, I would just, that's that's because of the weeded mash bill in here, but the a I lot of the weeded. of of a lot of the of the weeded aspects come out on this. Like I get I get a yeah. lot of butterscotch, a, a lot of butterscotch. Um, I get almost like a, a a bit of like mint in a way, but that like shortbread, fresh, sandy cookie is overwhelming. I've never gotten that before on a whiskey ever, mm-hmm. and I've had a fair amount. So this that's that's. I love that. This is this is so one of the good. most unique, the, <laughs> one of the most unique barrel strengths I think I've ever had. Just in the aspect of sometimes the burn on a, of a barrel strength can overpower you. This doesn't, and it's it's very interesting how and that I have, happens. Yeah. I have a wide variety of barrel strengths too. I think the lowest I have is like one sixteen. Um, I don't honestly know what my highest is. The one I'm drinking is one twenty two, but um, it's ever since I had it for the first time in 2019, this has been my go-to daily drinker. I'm, it has, it is it. And I, even these two, these two will know. So I'm so happy that they're actually trying (laughs) something that I absolutely love and that I actually recorded a review (laughs) to even get on the show with it. So (laughs) it's got great viscosity. It's got great viscosity, Mm -hmm. uh, good color. The, the nose, the nose, the other unique thing about a nose, it, it doesn't, it doesn't drink like a barrel strength and it doesn't nose like a barrel strength. Can I, can I share my screen or no? Yeah. Okay. Should be able I got, to. Okay. Hold on a second. They're called pecan sandies. They were made by Keebler. You play. Yeah, I want to, <laughs> it's going to be on Amazon. Hold on a second. You guys can keep talking, but I, I got to show you guys this because I'm is, just drinking at this point. I don't know what you're talking is, about. This is blowing my mind right now. Um, <laughs> and how how easily, uh, like readily uh, available in the eighteen states that you guys are in, would someone all, be able to find this? All 
in all the states. Yeah, in, in our major uh, liquor store chains, you know, your Total Wines, your ABC, even your local ones, everybody has bought all three of ours in. So our other uh, 95 proof, same mash bill for the weeded is our small batch. And small batch at 95 proof, um, it, it's fun how you select the barrels, right? And I think people that aren't maybe had bad experiences with bourbon when they're younger, they are, they're transitioning from wine or they're transitioning from craft beer, right? They're not quite ready for barrel strength, you know, full experience every day. That's my drinker. I start them on the 95 proof and it, it just shocks them because their brains had told them whiskey is, you know, high rye, you know what I mean? It's high spice. It's high character. Yep. And when you see the small batch in the weeded, you're like, what, what, what? Hold on a second. It's, what, you know, it's the same thing when I, when I do tastings yeah. and have done tastings for host soldier before I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've come across that. Oh yeah. Those pecan. <laughs> there you guys are. have um, never had these. Yeah, no, for sure. That made, made, oh yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Yeah. Delicious. But they, um, but that's the same thing. You know, I, I say, Oh, I don't like whiskey or I don't like this. And I said, you, you have to give this one a try. It's, mm-hmm. It's a it's great a gateway. It's, it's a good it gateway. It's a total bourbon. gateway. It's so good. And I'm, I don't think I've had anybody not like it yeah. at any tasting I've done. It's great. I haven't even sipped it yet. Come on, Connor. Catch up. Yeah. What's wrong with you? Try it. And the good thing, like you say, the hug, the hug doesn't start on the top or the back mm-hmm. of your tongue. It really starts below right your, your, yep. That, and it's yep. like, oh. They call it a tapeworm yawn. It's like, oh, <laughs> tapeworm's happy. Here it comes. <laughs> so it's, are you are you, are you happy, Connor, with with the taste as well as the smell? No, oh, yeah, I've I've this bottle has been open since I got it. I've had this oh, the oh. the night I got it, so I've I've had it before. But <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna wait. I this isn't I probably. <laughs> well, it's almost a tally jolly season. Um, yeah. I uh, I started drinking Horse Soldier. I, it must have been back in 2019. Like it must, it was like early to mid 2019. My uncle, my uncle Craig, was a retired captain in the Coast Guard, so he mm-hmm. would just go down to the uh, the shops on base. And Horse Soldier is in, is plentiful down there. For, you know, at at, at mm-hmm. certain times and. I would drink uh the straight bourbon, the small batch and the barrel strength. And um uh Horse Soldier was probably was like a bourbon that I really liked before I even liked whiskey. Before I started podcasting or started yep. doing anything. Yep. The Horse Soldier does along with Shanda holds a special place in my heart. Uh I got to share some cool moments with my uncle, uh rest in peace with uh with some Horse Soldier drams. So I wasn't going to wait to open this barrel strength because I haven't had it since 2019 and I wanted to taste it. <laughs> I think that's, you know, it's funny, you know, now that we're getting more sophisticated as a business is when we first started, obviously you walk in and you tell this horse soldier soldier story, right? Oh my God, what am I going to do? I've got to buy a bottle just to support you. Uh, thank you for your service. Boy, I sure hope this doesn't suck. Now, when we go in as a sales force, I don't even start with a story. I just start right with a taste, right? And, oh, by the way, did you know? Because I I want you um, to immediately be enjoy what we're making, not the marketing aspect. You know what I mean? So many things try to have a story and they have crappy juice. You know what I mean? Or they have a good story and you want to believe, but... I'll get one bottle, but not two. We have a lot of power because, you know, our story has come out. It's, uh, you know, the old Spartan 300 story, one against many. So it's the root of all heroic journeys, right? And number two has kind of been adapted by, you know, military families, not just veteran to veteran, but hey, my uncle served. You know what? He would have loved this. Or, I want to start a conversation and relate in this conversation. So that part we have to protect as well. Um, so we just kind of hit the a good trifecta. Are we lucky? Well, I like to say, give luck a chance, right? Um, 
you know, we hit three things we set out to do after all of our Kung Fu whiskey journey. Number one, there's three tenets. Everybody told us one, you, you, you have to have a good story, good backstory that supports it. Right. To make it believable. We didn't have 200 years of history. Right. Number two, the packaging has to look good. That's why we didn't choose. If you look at a lot of craft brands, there's only five craft bottle styles, right? Now kind of look the same and the paper labels kind of looks the same. So how do you stand out on a bar? And number three is it has to be good juice because people will buy you once. They won't ever adopt your brand or buy it again. So that's what we strove for. And uh, I think we've hit all three. Well, yeah, Can we should talk- probably talk about the bottle then. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Connor. No, I was just going to ask the same thing. We should probably talk about the bottle because there is some uh, some significance within the actual design and what you are using to mold uh, all these yeah. bottles. Yeah. So let's talk about the bottle. Now, first of all, um, we I told you we didn't want a standard craft slash crap bottle, right? It's cheap. It comes from China. And all these things are like, oh, my God, it looks like everything else you see on the crap side of the aisle, right? So when we went to Anchor Glass, which was the old Seagram's Lawrenceburg, Indiana factory, uh, we said, hey, you know, here's some design characteristics. And it was it was really Elizabeth, the wives, that said all the things she wanted. She did it in in secrecy. She didn't want us to know what she was putting in there. So if you look from the top, obviously, you know, you have a military challenge coin that's embossed into the top. Uh, you kind of have the oak topper to symbolize the barrel that gives it so much of its uh, color and flavor. Um, then you get down, you see the arrow and hatchet. The arrow and hatchet are the symbols of special forces and rangers. It's also very pioneering and trailblazing, right? So it doesn't have to just be a military symbology. Then you see the broad shoulders, right? Because we carry the weight of the world on our shoulders right after 9-11. Then you see that image, the horse soldier image. That's actually the statue at Ground Zero, the America's Response Monument, right? And it's not of one person. It's just everybody that served during that time frame, Um then you'd look at metal as a play on METL, which more is your courage, your internal fortitude, right? There's some other hidden meanings. Forged in fire is on the label. What that means is we use World Trade Center steel to form the molds that then forms the glass, right? So we say every bottle's forged in fire like we were when it came to combat. So all of this was done by Elizabeth without her knowledge, just by her background in the skincare and perfume industry. So when I say this is kind of a family of families business, everybody participated and had their hands in some aspect from design to distillation, to marketing, to the business aspect. Um, it, It was really I like to tell people this brand was started by amateurs and Noah was an amateur when he built the ark. And if you look at the Titanic, it was built by professionals. Right. So, you know, imagine having a clean slate, you and your buddies on this podcast right here just said, you know what, we're going to take a go at this business and do it. Oh, that was such a good rendition. I love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, a... what? Go ahead, buddy. Oh, thanks, pal. Um, <laughs> with the actual um, juice inside, you had mentioned that you are uh, currently um, in the process of of building your distillery in Kentucky. Uh-huh. Which, when I think, I, when is that going to be open? I would say we're having about a three-year timeline. So once again, BC or AC after COVID, mm-hmm. uh, yes, inflation, yes, recession, yes, 
worldwide supply chain issues. You know what I mean? We had the perfect storm against us. So we tapped the brakes a little bit earlier this year just because the cost of square foot was just absolutely – we could never have built the Taj Mahal. Um, so we're hoping for about a 36-month timeline. And then, uh, once again, once you turn it on, that bulldozer runs 24-7, and away you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, with the actual juice that, that worse have been on, um, mm-hmm. where, where is it coming from? Is it coming? Are you sourcing it from Kentucky or are you getting it from outside areas? Like so Florida? we have two partners. One's in middle West in, uh, Ohio, Columbus, and the other one's in Bardstown. So when you find a partner, we found originally why middle West one, Ryan Lang was a hell of a distiller. Uh, he was kind of stolen away by the Abercrombie and Finch guys that that wanted to start a brand and had $15 million to build a distillery. That seems to be the trend. If you read the business side of this business and see who gets taken, right? Um, Jack Daniels distillers just quit and he's quietly, you know, working on the big reveal. Um and, and it was cheaper, believe it or not, going into Ohio than it was Kentucky initially. Now we're in Bardstown. Mark Irwin was a friend. He was uh, in special operations as well. So it's a very small community and special operations, a small community and distilling. And so how do we build consistency when we shift to our distillery? Right. Well, whether I make a pizza in your oven or I make a pizza in my oven, right? The, the fundamentals are the same. Our mash bill, our selection of quality of uh, number two yellow dent, you know, grains from this certain region, be pollinated. All of these, the yeast is still ours. That's really what you hold that is, you know, your classification of yeast that reacts better for a weeded bourbon. So now when I go to the stills, you know, they're obviously Vendomes. They're obviously, you know, I, I think we're up to 36 inches on the column. All of that we've already tested. We've been working it. We have, what, six years of data? You know what I mean? So my view of this brand is, Will our brand taste like this 100 years from now? And it's interesting when I talk intellectually to people, I said, do you think Jim Beam's bourbon got better with age or it stayed the same? Right? Well, it definitely definitely changed for sure. Yeah, it's going to, right? Because production changed and the techniques and and the size of stills and fermentation techniques and uh, regulation of heat in all these other things. So it's hard to say, can I make the same taste today? Fast forward 70 years from now, when all of us are dead, will there be a time capsule? Connor will still know. be alive because he's 12. Yeah. But, you know, but see, I, I know that we'll make stuff today that I probably won't be alive when it's poured. Right. So, how to build consistency in your product. Number one, it is the moisture content of your grains. Now they got it very scientific. You can put parameters, right? You try to find those suppliers uh, that will be generational, right? I'm not trying to buy on the commodities market of mass produced, you know, grains for the cheapest price. That stuff I can control. Now, not every distillery has the cash flow, has the financing and fundies. They're trying to go a little cheaper, right? And cut mm-hmm. the corners and the edges. We were idiots. We didn't know any different. We wanted right from the beginning. So we kind of discovered what was, what was through investigation, you know, the right corn suppliers, the right red winter wheat the right two and uh, six row barley, all of those suppliers, we got to ask a thousand people who they thought the best. And then we would travel and see them. Um, we went to barrel makers and worked on making barrels to understood. And once you're at those barrel places, you'll see who cares and who doesn't, who's just mass manufacturing and 
right. throwing in not quite um, dried staves in, right? That gives you off flavors. Mm-hmm. So when I tell people we w- went to the journey, right? Because we had no knowledge. We were idiots. We were we were unsophisticated, and yet we soaked in every ounce of everything we observed, heard, learned, read, consumed, because that's our background too, right? Yeah. We're skilled observers and interrogators and intelligence operatives. You know what I mean? It was the perfect storm. And we set our sights on the bourbon business. I, I heard a quote uh, the other day is of, and it's kind of common sense, but why talking about kind of, I was listening to someone talk about dieting and talking about, you know, it's how, how, your mindset needs to change to, to, mm-hmm. to change your lifestyle in that effect. And he said something to the effect of, um, why would I, why would I consume something that's not produced by love with, with mm-hmm. love? Why would I consume something that's, you know, just, just churned out to produce a profit? And it sounds like you guys have that same attitude with there has, there's, there, there has to be love put into, what you're producing otherwise what's the point and what's what's the purpose of creating a brand and creating and investing all this time and energy and money mm-hmm. if if you know at the end of the day there's not a true sense of love and you know respect that goes into it so um m- m- looking forward where where does horse, horse soldier want to be you know, let's say within a five-year span, do you have any goals that you want to hit? Do you have any releases? Do you have any special releases, any finishes, so, anything that you want to do? Of course. Number one, worldwide domination. Um, we like nice. the pursuit. Um, we don't quit. We don't take second place. We don't do anything, but we're patient. First of all, we see this as a 100-year brand. So we have that long, long vision of the brand and we set this business up so nobody could own us. We've got investors. They don't control us. We have strategic partnerships. They don't tell us what to do, right? So the business side, um, the next thing I'll say is we make bourbon. We don't manufacture it, right? So we could have cut costs to either make us money or to make more of it. And we didn't. Right. That's why we're only in so many states. We only make enough to grow. And grow means steady. Do I have money for marketing? Can uh, I hire some more people? None of us really take money out of the business. We get a small salary to boost our retirement pay. But every nickel is inventory, right? So when you have a vision, especially everybody has a shared vision. This is King Arthur's table. The wives have it. The kids have it who work here. And we always have to agree, okay, this is 100 years. We knew that we needed to have our own facilities because too many people were selling or buying. And once a big, giant, public traded company buys a small craft distillery, it changes everything. I agree. So we we knew we needed to own and build our own distillery. Well, now we've grown the brand enough. We have enough revenue. We can not give away the farm, so to speak, and control the growth of our business and having the tactical discipline, right, of allocation of resources and decision-making. All of these things from our prior service now are paying off, right? It, we we put in an operations order called a business plan. We charted everything out. We broke the huddle and said, go. And so, you know, I worry, like you mentioned, am I building the right partners as far as, you know, selection of grains, ingredients, yeast that will be around as long as we will. And you as a consumer can enjoy it 20 years from now, pass it to your kids and get them to enjoy it 30 years from now and build consistency in the brand. Or what I've seen, we could have cashed out and we would have had so much money. We never would have had to work again. And you know what I mean? We would have been ballers on yachts and we're like, eh, I wouldn't know what to do if I had a lot of money. 
You don't right? seem like a yacht guy to me. Yeah. I'm not a yacht guy. I like to have friends that have yachts. Good point. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Saying? Because then all they do is bitch about their yacht. You're like, man, this is awesome. I've, and they're like, oh, God, the engine went out. The nav went out. This went out. You're like, damn, I'm not owning a yacht. Yeah. B-O-A-T, break out another thousand. That's what that stands that's for. That's right. But you know, once again, <laughs> you know, it, <clears throat> we've <clears throat> if, if you have a vision and you're all having fun doing it and it's not work, but it's hard. It's good, right? If now all of a sudden you're working for somebody else and they're like, eh, eh, and it starts to conflict, you're like, eh, my heart's not in it. It's probably time to fall back and get out. So that's why we've kept control. Um, we have chosen the right partners because they are experienced. There's, you can't beat 15 years of sales experience. There's a lot of hard lessons. And we, could, we didn't have 15 years to get 15 years of experience. So, you know, we are smart about hiring people that are capable and competent as well. Right. Well, um, Scott, we won't keep you any longer, man. Uh, actually, we are going to keep you a little longer because I have another. I have one more question. Um, you have lots of questions. I like it. Keep asking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I <laughs> that's have, what Bourbon uh, does. It's like what? Here, let me, let me think about this. Hmm. Yeah, it opens up. It makes you a bit smarter. At least it mm-hmm. makes me smarter. Um, especially barrel strength, but, um, being, you know, might be kind of a cliche question, you know, Uh given your background, but I'm curious to know as someone that served, it was in, it was in very high stakes missions and, um, was overseas. What, when you're looking to, I'm sure you're never really looking to turn on a war movie, but when you think of like a classic war movie, what what's what's your go to? What do you, what are you turning on if if you're trying to watch something like that? Always the Green Berets with John Wayne, right? I didn't even think of that. Yeah, wow. That's, that's what a motivated one. a lot of us. Number two is um, the Longest Day about D Day, mm-hmm. right? Good movie. Um, let's talk. Also has John Wayne in it. Exactly. Let's talk about the Band of Brothers series because Great you see series. soldiers as people. You know what I mean? That came from neighborhoods. Mikey's from here. Bobby's from there. You know what I mean? And you see what you, the, the service. And to think what, you know, 18-year-olds right after D-Day who didn't grow up with gore and movies and this presence of visual violence all the time, right? News media cycles, everything came from the farm. and then they jumped off of, um, you know, onto the beach and just watched chaos. And then they came home, whoever survived, and they built this country again in in the entire country. And just imagine the ladies who did go or stayed home, your parents, you know, to go through that experience and to come home and try to integrate you know, that's my big message when I speak on Veterans Day, and I do get a lot of speaking things around the country, is uh, we asked a very small part of our population to fight this last 20 years, and yet we're going to have to ask that same small population to come home and serve again in school boards and local politics and Congress, <clears throat> because, you know, that's an entire generation that's more mature mm-hmm. you know than anybody else at this point that b- loves black and white they love democrat and republican they just love america and you want those people getting back and uh, participating in this economy and these politics love those answers well uh scott we want to we want to say thank you very much this was a complete honor having you on the show mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and we've been we've been wanting the the feature horse soldier for a while now. So thank you for taking the time. Um, tell the people where they can buy your products and where they can find you to learn more about your brand. Obviously, horsesoldierbourbon.com. Uh, we've got a beautiful website. You can order from that as well. Or if uh, you're looking to go down to your local store, obviously your big chains, Total Wine, ABC Liquors, Specs goody goodies big red i can go through a whole list 
Um, but if you have an independent favorite, you're the customer, you walk in and tell them, I want horse soldier. And uh, you have to become our guerrilla force because we don't have a billion dollar marketing fund like these big companies, these manufacturers of bourbon, right? If we're going to beat them because of the underground word of mouth, they don't invest in that. They invest in influencers, right? They, mm-hmm. they got a celebrity. They got something. We don't have that. And I don't think we'd ever spend money on that. Yeah. And, you know, if you're a business owner, you know, and you want your, their brand in your restaurant or anything like mm-hmm. that, like just give them a call. Or soldier bourbon. It doesn't suck. Kid tested, mother approved. <laughs> <laughs> the best way wow. right there. <laughs> and with that, that is and the that best way to end the show right here. <laughs> Thanks everyone for listening. And remember, a bourbon with friends can change the world. That's it for this episode of Bourbon with Friends. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, leave us a review to make it easier for others to find the show. You can also check us out on Instagram at BWF Podcast. Thanks for listening.